Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. Man, today has been a doozy so far. I mean, it's like how much chaos can you possibly begin your day with before you even get to the place where you're trying to go to get to do the things that you're trying to do? It's unbelievable. It's like some joke, bad sitcom script that you're fumbling through like you halfway know what you're supposed to do. Kind of like that Netflix show Murderville. Like, you know, Will Arnett and his team have a script and they know what's going on, but then you throw in like Jason Bateman and Maya Rudolph and they, they have no script and they're just kind of picking up the pieces, trying to follow along, trying to kind of be guided by the hints here and there, but still it's all chaotically hilarious for the people who, you know, direct the show and of course the audience. So, <clears throat> wow. Well, let me tell you what started. So basically this morning, uh, I woke up into what can best be described as like the chaos of a thousand burning houses. Um, you know, everything in the house scattered and strewn about in a fever, uh, clothing and food on the floor, um, something bubbling and sizzling hot on the oven while people are screaming and fighting and there's tears and sweat and bath water everywhere and like just this constant consistent like high frequency noise that just sizzles into your into my brain and like burns and, and it burrows this hole a bit like you imagine like a space worm would and it just hatches these little painful stinging nail type eggs that just like inside your head. So it starts off immediately with that first thing. No coffee. Uh, barely get to wash my face before I'm just thrown completely into this. Um, you know, and then with that added stress comes the fact that I'm late now because I was supposed to leave at 830 to drive to the new house to let the painters in because this is one of their last days and they have to finish up certain things. Um, and of course, I was like 15 minutes late for that because we're juggling this whole world of, of you know, it's like I'm so, sort of sub subconsciously choosing to not say, hey, I've, I've got to go now. Like, I've got to leave now. You're going to have to deal with this on your own. You know, like I'm sort of, or maybe not even subconsciously, but consciously choosing to say like, um, I can't just ditch Efi, you know, like I can't just go. Although I think personally that the added stress coming from her side, although now that I've calmed down a bit is very understandable, was not helping anything in the moment and made things worse for me because then I'm feeding off that. And it's just this echo chamber of like stress and aggression and like, why would you say that? And like, blah, 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 blah. And it's just circling all around all the, meanwhile, it's just like this, again, just the a thousand like raging suns of, of like noise and chaos and screaming in the house. So all uh, the aggression and the stress added to it just really doesn't help. So then I'm sort of, you know, consciously choosing, I can't say now I've got to go I just kind of choose like, okay, well, I'm going to keep helping just until like, I just really have to, until like it's impossible until, until perhaps 
she notices the clock and says like, okay, you've got to go. Like, well, I'll just deal with this, you know? But of course that doesn't happen. So then I'm like 15 minutes late, which makes me rush out, which by the way, if I am like burning a hole into the clock with my eyes because I'm every single second that I am late stresses me out, when it's time, if you know a person who, I mean, if you know them at all and you know that they hate being late, and for me late is like between one and five minutes early, uh, or no, that's not late, that's on time. On time for me is between one and five minutes early. And any other thing around that, like especially to the dot or minutes after is painstakingly late for me. And if you know somebody like that and you know that they are late, they know they're late and they don't need you to say you should hurry up. Okay? It drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. Anyway, um... I speed out of the house, jump down to the garage, because the goal today is that I was going to clean out the car, make everything, put all the seats down, make it flat, go to the house, let the painter in, grab the gear, then go to the office, park that somehow in the city near the office, which dead center Munich, Zenlinger Tour is not the easiest place to find parking at 9.30 in the morning, and then do this podcast, do, do some work here, and then around lunch, pack up everything here everything in like a one afternoon and take it in two or three trips uh, in this car to the new house and be done with this office today. That's also what I want to talk about is like, it's my last, it's my last day in this office that I cherish and I I love it. I've done, I, I mean, I haven't even been here. No, I've been here a year and a half and I already, I'm going to miss it so much. It's my cozy little spot and it's in the dead center of the city. It's such a little, like such a, like a 30 second walk from weekday, this clothing store I love, or a two minute walk from Urban Outfitters or from all these restaurants or from the, from the grocery store, just around the corner, I can go grab some milk or some extra coffee. Anyway, that was the plan to do all of that in that order. But because I was so late, I rushed down to the car, and as I'm pulling the car out, we have this issue with this guy who drives a motorcycle in the building. Now, motorcycles are fine. It's nothing against what he drives. But it's the fact that this absolutely blind, mentally challenged idiot, (laughs) I don't even know if that's appropriate to say, but he's just this absolutely selfish dog of a person, parks his motorcycle on like in the driving aisle of which cars pass to get in and out of the garage like not in a designated parking spot I sound so stiff when I say this I know how I sound but like not in a designated parking spot and not in a place that's like not a spot but out of the way where no one would care or think about it but it's absolutely 100% in the way in the way of all of the cars that come out of my side of the garage, which is like 12 cars. I don't know how everyone else, if they do have a problem with it, they're at, they've been as quiet as us. I don't know what to do about it. It drives me crazy. I have narrowly, narrowly missed hitting this motorcycle so many times that I have like fantasized, fantasized about ramming it with my car and, until it just like explodes, like happily dying amongst the fumes, knowing that I 
destroyed the motorcycle, you know, or like leaving a note or like keying it with my hands or a knife or something, keying into like, you suck. Or like, I hate this motorcycle so much. It's so in the way. And today was the day where I'm trying so hard not to hit it. I am narrowly inching my way. And the thing is, it's a van and we are in this corner where if the motorcycle wasn't there, I could back up and pull forward two times to get out and go up the ramp. But with the motorcycle, it's like five or six times. You have to be like, like Austin Powers, like that first Austin Powers movie where he has like the golf cart in the giant laboratory. And he's like, ding, 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 just can't get around. I have to do that because of the motorcycle. And I was so stressed and I was like anxious. My heart was pounding. I was so in such a bad mood. I was angry. And I'm like, bing, 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 bing. And finally, I think, okay, I've cleared it. I can go. But because it's a van and because I'm around this corner, I, 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 I didn't hit the motorcycle, unfortunately. I guess fortunately. But I did scratch the side of our car against the wall of the garage. My first incident with a car since, hmm, my first incident with a car, uh, yeah, since the time that my friend Kyle accidentally totaled my mom's Honda Element driving from New York back to Memphis. That was the last incident I had with a car. After that, I had my Crown Victoria, the coolest car in the world. And uh, that car was could do no harm. I, I drove around New Orleans like I owned it. It was great. Uh, no incidents, no, no fender benders, nothing that I can think of at least. Um, and then that was still in college. And then I moved to Germany. That was about seven years ago. And yeah, yeah, this was the first one and it was self-inflicted and because I was impatient and stressed and angry and I didn't hit the motorcycle, but I scratched my car. Now the scratch is not horrendous. However, I know that I am going to be forced to immediately do the German thing, which is cause the insurance and gets the panel replaced and blah, blah, blah. Like, look, if this was up to me alone, and especially if I was in America, that car would stay like that until I die. Like it is not, I'm going to put this out there right now and I will, I will update you when that car gets fixed because I know that I do not have a choice with this, but that car has such a like forgettable scratch. It's like a little white half circle above the left back tire rim on the metal there. Um, yeah, it took a little paint, but I wiped it with my hand and a lot of the excess size of the scratch was dust. It's actually just this sort of streak and it didn't dent the tire. It doesn't make the car undrivable or unsafe. It doesn't make the road undrivable or unsafe for others. I didn't lose a tail light or something like that. It's a perfectly functional healthy, standard grade, you know, abiding by all laws car. And it does not threaten anyone else. So what I would do is not a damn thing. That's what I would do. I would do nothing. I would leave this car exactly as it is. It does not matter. It changes nothing. We have bigger things on our plate. I scratched a wall. I said, I'm sorry. Let it go. Who cares? Goodbye. Forget it. 
Now, I'm putting it, saying it right now. I I think uh, maybe not by the next podcast or even the one after that will it be fixed and, and back to normal. But in Germany, there are just expectations that people have on each other here. It's like a weird self-check societal system thing where like, you know, somebody will hear that we scratched the car and then they will ask about the scratch on the car with the expectation of, well, you already called the insurance, right? You've already got the new panel being prepared at the mechanic shop or something, right? You're already going to get it buffed out, right? You know, it's this sort of, I don't know. It's like you imagine the first 30 minutes of Edward Scissorhands uh, in this perfect little suburban area where everyone knows what everyone else does and everyone else has everyone else's expectations in mind and and thinks that they know what's best for everyone else. And it's like the rules are the rules. Now you're not following the rules, Joanne. So you're going to have to get, I don't know why I said my grandma's name, but like, you know, the rules are the rules, Janet. You know, that's the way it's got to be. So, you know, like, well, if you're not doing the rules, then, you know, you're not doing the right thing. You know, you're not setting, you're not really setting the best example. for. And uh, I hate that mentality. And that's not how I like to live my life. If there's not a problem, then there's not a problem, especially if it's not so ugly that it makes you know like I don't know if anyone it's such a it's just a scratch on the back of the above the tire who cares I think that's the kind of scratch if I saw it on a friend's car I wouldn't even think to ask about it I'd be like oh they probably just bumped a trash can or something you know what I mean I I wasn't speeding and ramming my car into the side of the wall I was going about two or one or less than one mile an hour (laughs) you know just like like rolling the car and I heard this like you know and then of course you know whatever so stupid it's the motorcycle's fault honestly it's the motorcycle's fault (sighs) so that's how the day starts it's the motorcycle I'm gonna write that down it's the motorcycle's fault so that's how the day starts Rushing out, 15 minutes late, scratch my car in the garage. Then I go up, then I have, then I get a little bit of a, little bit of a lecture. Not gonna lie. And, uh, cause if he was a witness. And, uh, which was even worse. <laughs> I made it worse. Uh, then I really had to go, so I drove off. And then I was late and I got to the new house. I let the painter in. I apologized. He was cool. I picked up the tools that I needed to pick up because I have to break things down off the walls here in the office. I drove back to the city. Still, by this time, like, hadn't even had a cup of coffee, hadn't had a bite to eat. Came back to the office, dropped everything off, you know, tried to park the car near the door, but there's no legal parking there. And I thought for a few, I don't know, I just thought, like, I'll leave my hazards on there. And then I saw this meter maid coming. So then I had to move the car and go park it down the street. But then it's also not like the best spot. It's not really like a real spot. And I know that I'm going to get a ticket. And there's nothing I can do about it because I've got to do this work. I can't just sit in my car. Um, You know, I can't just pack. I can't just do nothing in the office except for pack it up until it's time. Like the car just has to be there it just has to be there and like okay if it's a 60 euro ticket fine i'll just pay it i'm just sick of it i'm so sick of 
like not getting the work done and just being later and later and later and later. Cause then I had to go and then I was like, okay, I need to have a cup of coffee, but then we didn't have anything here in the office. So then I had to go to the grocery store. So then I was also hungry. So then I grabbed like a pastry and some coffee things and some water came back here made the coffee. And then I don't know, then I had to use the, okay, well, here's the funny story. Here's the funny story to, to make this uh, a little lighter. So I'm here. I, it's, it's about, I don't know, a little more than an hour ago or something. And I tell myself, I've got to um, use the bathroom. Now, the way that the system has worked in this office is that it is connected to an apartment complex in which our partner in this office, our friend Kati, lives in that apartment. This is just a little box in the center of the city. Um, basically, if you imagine like a courtyard, like a cement courtyard between buildings, um, like it's just a big cement area with a bench and then there's this little box, um, that we work in and she's in the built, like one of the buildings that connects to this, uh, cement, uh, courtyard slab thing. And the deal was, this is our office. We all share it. You know, we all pay. Uh, and when we, and there's a, a there's always been a spare key to her apartment in this office. With the, with the rule being, hey, when you got to go, you got to go. Um, just come on upstairs. You don't have to knock. Uh, just use the key. Come on in. Use the bathroom. You know, whatever. Whatever you need. Very friendly. Very hospitable. Um, very helpful. But I am somebody who cannot at all go number two in this apartment. It's not happening. It's just not happening. It has happened so rarely. I can, in a year and a half, count how many times I've gone on one hand. Because it was maybe an emergency, and I knew she was not going to be home. Maybe for like a couple of days or something. Not that I just like destroy toilets, but like, you know, it's she has this small, clean, quaint, very well-decorated, pretty nice, like single young woman's apartment, you know, everything's white. There's vases with like dried flowers. There's nice wooden frames on the wall. There's like a handmade fishnet thing of like a photo album hanging by the fridge. Uh, everything's got candles and scented incense and everything's like beige and smooth and it smells like warm laundry. And it's just like this nice, pretty little place, you know, and uh, I can't go in there and do number two. I just can't do it. I can only, I've only done it a couple of times knowing she was definitely not home and not going to be home that day so that everything could just be, it was just like I was never there. I always triple check the, I mean, this is really, I'm getting personal here, but I always triple check that toilet to make sure there was, there's no proof that I was there at all. If I use the hand rag to wash my hands, to dry them after, I, I fold it just like she had it or I hang it up just like she had it. I don't want any soup residue. Uh, <laughs> soup. <laughs> I don't want any soap residue in the sink next to the drain. I want it clean and perfect exactly as it was when she uh, left it. I just have a thing about it. So today is one of those days where she's home She's, uh, I think she's still home during this recording right now or leaving soon. And of course, about an hour ago, I got everything loaded in. I had a bite to eat 
and I was about to get started on this recording and I felt the gurgle gurgle. I felt the, you know, I felt the, I felt the little, the gut, the, 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 gur, the growly, I'm trying to think of a name for him, the growly, the growly belly monster, you know, the growly bell, growly bell, the little, Jordan, you've got to poop. This is happening whether you want it to or not. Like, I, you know, I've, Sometimes when you have to pee, you can really hold it in a long time. I can. I can hold it a long time, but then there, there is a breaking point, especially if you're on a long drive, where I just can't hold it in anymore. I have, met, I have tested this. This is going to be very disgusting, but I have had to pee into a bottle before, and that bottle was a liter and a half, like, big thing of water, and I have definitely peed more than a liter out of my body. And that's when I'm like bursting, dying. I can't take it anymore. I'm crying, punching the window. Like, I gotta pee, I gotta pee. I've peed over a liter out of my body before. It's unbelievable. That's a lot. <laughs> um, and, but when it comes to um, number two, uh, there is no withholding period for me. Um, there's like a little tiny window, a few minutes where it's like, okay, I, I, I need to start thinking about a bathroom. And then it's just go time. Poop. You know, it's just instantaneous, it feels like. Um, and there's no looking back. It's either go now or you go in your pants now. So I got the first little, you know, growly bells. I got the little, fir- the first callings of the, Jordan, you got a poop. And I thought, oh man, Kati's home. There's no way I'm going up there. There's no chance that I'm going to go up there, especially on just the, I don't know, the last day that we're in the office. Her stuff's all cleaned out. I just can't do it. I can't go there and be like, well, one more for the road. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just a little, let's cheers, you know, that's, that's uh, t- a toast to our wonderful days of office. Oh, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. So I start, I, so there's a, um, a public bathroom just down the street that's 60 cents to pay for, which it should be free because it is never clean. Um, I have found like heroin, like aluminum foil that has been used for heroin and or crack, like on the floor of this bathroom before, um, which is not something you see very often. Like I've, I don't even know if I've seen like heroin material. Like I guess it was used to like melt the drugs for injection. It just really, it had, it was like aluminum foil that had lighter burn marks on it. So what else uh, could it be? They weren't, you know, roasting hot dogs in there. And uh, that place is really gross. And so, but, but you know, when you got to go, you got to go, especially if you're not going to go in Kati's bathroom. So I go over there with my 60 cents and I pull on the door. And for the first time in a year and a half, it's locked. It's during hours of operation, I don't know if they locked it because there had been a murder or something in there, probably uh, drug-assisted suicide of some sort, but it's locked. And I go, oh my God, I cannot believe the first time 
it's locked is on the last day that I'm in this office and I am bursting. And then I go like 10 blocks, not 10 blocks, like, you know, know, five or six meters over, there's a restaurant. The restaurant isn't open for another hour. I can't just go in there and be like, oh, excuse me, um, can I get a glass of water? Where's your bathroom? Um, So I'm stuck. I'm standing in the middle of the busiest, one of the busiest areas of the city. Um, There is not really a restaurant around that I feel comfortable Try the thing is I didn't bring my wallet with me either, so I just have sixty cents in my pocket, which was also a stupid idea. And part of me is like, well, I can't really go to any of these cafe bakery places and you know buy a little espresso and then ask to use the bathroom because it's you know you also you're not supposed to go in places here and just use their bathroom. Um, it's a little easier in America to just stroll to the cafe, you know, to this like Starbucks bathroom or something. But here, um, yeah, it's just a little more. I don't know. I guess I could have tried to run down the street to the actual Starbucks that I'm thinking of, but it was too far in my mind. Like I I had a really short range of distance that was possible for me. And there was like three places, two of which were locked or closed. And then this other one, I just thought like, I can't, I don't have any money. I can't go back to the office and then double back. And then I looked next to this little newspaper kiosk cigarette stand thing. And behind it was a fenced off construction area that had a small gap between the building structure and the construction fence that, you know, keeps the civilians out. And right there, just behind that gap, was a porta potty. And I think you know where this is going. I slid like, like it's a Mission Impossible movie. I pull my hood over my head And I slide between the gap of this newspaper stand, hoping that the person doesn't see me because you're not supposed to use these bathrooms. But then at some point I had to go so bad, I told myself, what are they going to do? Tell me not to come back. Like, I don't want to come back. So I slid between the gap, between the fence. It's got a Jordan's got to poop. Jordan's got a Jordan's got a poop. Pooping. I get to the door, I crack it open just to make sure there's nobody inside. And then I I get in, I lock the door, and then I'm in, right? Well, it's of course disgusting. And I'm a little bit nervous that they're going to think no one's in here. So this is the moment where they're going to take it with a machine and dump it and clean it. And then I will be like drowning in the blue fluid and with poop and pee everywhere. That's kind of one of my nightmares. Um, But it's so gross. And I never poop in porta potties, ever. I think I have done that three times in my 32 years. I do not go in porta potties. Um, I think I went once at like a voodoo festival in New Orleans. I was in college. You just don't care as much in college. It was also pre-pandemic, which makes a difference kind of. And there was another time somewhere else. I don't know. But then here I am. And I will not put my butt on that entrance. And there I am still telling myself, all you have to do is go up to Kati's apartment and use her beautiful, clean little bathroom. And I still tell myself I'd rather poop in this public construction worker's bathroom. So I drop trowel and I squat like a woman at a highway highway weighing station gas station. Like a woman in general, at a public restroom that is dodgy. 
and I, I squat and I release. You know, what a day it has been so far for Jordan. I wreck my car. I'm waiting to get this ticket. I'm sitting here. I'm waiting to get a ticket for my car. I'm in the last day of my office here. I still have to pack everything up. And I squatted over a porta potty about an hour ago, because, or a little less than an hour ago, actually, if you want to know the truth, because there was no other option for me. I know some of you must understand that. You must understand you can't go. I mean, this apartment, she, it's like a two-room apartment. It's very small. It's quaint. It's, it's pretty. But it is very small. And I, I, she would hear everything. And she would probably smell everything. It's not like, I don't know. It's just not, there's not enough distance. You know, at, at our new house, anybody can poop anywhere they want because there's enough distance. You know, this bathroom is like three rooms away. That one's all the way upstairs. This other one's all the way down in the basement. There's no rush. There's no problems. Just go. Okay, fine. No worries. Just go. But you can't, I mean, you just can't. I would have, and I would have killed to have had a small sink in this office. You know why? For pee-pee. I would have, if there had been like a standing sink in this office for making tea, for making coffee, for, I don't know, putting water into a pot to use a mini cooker for pasta. We've done that before. Um, any of those reasons to have running water here or just to fill up your water bottle uh, would be great. And then I would pee into that sink. I would absolutely happily do that because then I don't even have to go up to Kati's apartment for that. Huh? How about that? But I am always going to this public bathroom and now, of course, it was locked. And uh, yeah, here we are. And then I came back to this office and I drowned my hands up to my elbow in disinfectant lotion or spray or whatever. Uh, just having it just drip off of me until I air dried because I felt so gross. Um, yeah. And then I'm going to put my hands over literally every single thing in this office. <sighs> and pack it into a box and let the bacteria grow. No. That's gross now, but I, I, it's ridiculous how, how, and I'm waiting to get this ticket. I know it's coming. I know I'm going to get this ticket. Um, but what I, what I did want to do, what I actually did want to do, um, is talk just a little bit here about this office. Um, when you get to the center of the city, there's, there's three sort of main stops. There's, uh, Zenlingator, there's Hauptbahnhof, which is main station, and then there's Marienplatz. Marineplatz is like very touristy. It's the area with, um, you know, it's kind of like going to Jackson Square of New Orleans. There's like, you know, sort of Munich's equivalent of Cafe du Monde, like a, a restaurant that's been there for, you know, 200 years or more. Um, there's like the gigantic ancient Gothic castle style city hall. Um, there's monuments and statues and churches that have been there for 3000 years and, you know, just all this old like Hitler stuff and I don't know, just old historical statues and, and a lot of history. That's the best way I can put it. And then Hauptbahnhof is sort of like the dirty city center area where you, it's like, 
you, you know, you have all like the greasy sort of quick restaurants. You have like the Starbucks, the coffee fellows, you have like the quick bakeries. It's, it's an in and out place for all of the travelers. You have, you see way more of the homeless there. Um, you have a couple of like oddly wealthy stores in that area too. For some reason they're like right there, but, um, and then you have Zen Yator, which is, um, a little bit more relaxed, a bit more of just like feeling like you're just a part of the city. You know, it's still hustling and bustling, a lot of buildings, a lot of restaurants, cafes, shops, and um, a lot of like tiny apartments crammed up tall above above stores. But um, it's cooler and I like it here. And Zendlinger Strasse, Zendlinger Street, is connected right to the U-Bahn station. So you get out and you're at this beautiful cinema, um, which I'm so happy I had the opportunity to go to that Zendlinger City Kino or whatever. Because uh, it's beautiful. The person who, um, somebody every two weeks or something, like hand paints a version of the poster of the movie that's playing. I think it's usually just one or two movies playing at the movies, at the cinema. And um, like instead of seeing like the movie posters in sort of a, you know, um, marquee framing, uh, they hand paint it, which is kind of beautiful. and it's really old school. It has like red, you know, red velvet curtains you pull aside to get into these old cre- creaky wooden seats. And it's really nice. And I finally had the chance to go there. That's just like, you know, 10 meters away from this door. Um, Kati's apartment has been owned. You know, this office was owned by our friend Basti before us. So I, I already knew this office from my first years in Munich back in like six years ago. He had this office he shared with a friend. And it was this cool, tiny little place. Um, that, you know, it was like, oh, cool. He has a little office in the city. And then his friend uh, Marlena lived in the apartment that Kati lives now. So I had also been to that apartment before, of course, to use the bathroom. Um, And it was just, this area feels so familial to me. And I'm really going to miss that. I'm going to miss feeling like comfortable in the center of a city. I feel like, you know, I have this craving for the city uh, being a city boy that uh, I think I will miss that most about moving to the suburbs. But um, again, I think I've said it before, but I think this area of the city is getting cooler and it's not like there's nothing out there at all. Um, and I can still come out here with a, you know, a quick drive, but yeah, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss being right here in the hub, taking an Uban, you know, two stations home. It's unbeatable. That's just crazy. That's like five minutes home. Um, you've got, you know, this restaurant Kennedy's here, which yeah, take it or leave it. But it was like one of the first places where I met any people. Like I met some great people who were so nice to me, like Sasha Selman and Sebastian Schaffstein, which sounds like fake names. I'm aware now, but these were like, you know, these are radio hosts and musicians that were so kind to me. When I first came here, they gave me a chance. They let me play music. They gave me outlets and platforms. Um, This is where I went with a lot of people from, German classes originally. This is where I came to see open mic musicians when I was trying to make a sort of a scene here for myself or get into the scene here. This is one of the open mic places. And of course, the the, the main street here is beautiful. It, it it it's funny. It has one of the one of the Starbuckses of the cities here, and it's um it, it looks like any other old normal Starbucks once you get inside, but everything around it is this beautiful old arch- like pre-war architecture. And this Starbucks was where I would basically hide and bury myself a lot 
during um, my first couple years because I didn't know any people. I was nervous. Uh, I would usually have my intensive German classes, which were about two or three hours a day, four or five days a week. And I would come study there or occasionally, and this is very, this was not so often, I guess, but maybe a little more often than I would care to admit. But it was also a place where if I really just couldn't get myself to go to a German class in the, in the first couple of years um, is where I would it's where I would hide when I'm supposed to be at German class, which is a little embarrassing, a little, a little bad, bad boy, shame on me. I know. Um, I still got, Hey, I still passed my B1, so I'm fine. Okay. Making a, <laughs> I don't have to defend myself to you guys. You've, you've heard it, everything from me on this show. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, just, um, uh, uh, this area I really feel like home in. I've been up and down the street. You know, weekday is one of those rare, uh, I'm wearing like three articles of clothing from there right now. It's one of the only places that has kind of hip stuff that fits people my size. I don't know why. I'm like I'm like the last size they offer and it's really cool stuff uh, usually. I, I either go there and leave with nothing or I leave with like seven articles of clothing. Um, and yeah, the Starbucks, of course, and there's a few other places up and down here, but I'm going to miss being able to just walk out the door and go down to the grocery store, which is, you know, under the city next, like, you know, just around the corner and get a, get a few things for lunch here. If I'm working a long day, um, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's really it. Uh, it's also been a beautiful private space. I, I kind of feel bad for Conti because when she, when we first got this office space, I'm, I'm positive that she imagined it much differently. I, I'm, I know that she wanted this to be a place where perhaps all three of us, Kati, Ify, and myself would occasionally be here working together and then maybe get lunch together and go do something together. And it was never that. It was a, it's a cold room, a uh, cold small room where she always worked alone. We, we didn't even have Wi-Fi here. Anytime I've ever done anything here, it's always been through my hotspot, but... Um, you know, she always worked alone here because if I, if I came here to record, which normally that's what I came here to do, then, you know, I, I didn't want, I, I asked if occasionally if I recorded that when I do that, they're not here. And, um, that ended up being what I did most here. If the house was too noisy or something, or just to get out of the headspace of my own apartment, I would come here to record, which is really refreshing. It's cool. But yeah, that was what made it so isolating for her, I think. I kind of feel bad it wasn't what she intended. You know, if he never came here, it was kind of mine and Kati's office that we never worked in together, which is kind of sad, you know. If he basically just used this room as storage because um, just the moment that we locked this place down and moved everything in, um, you know, our lives changed. The twins came around and bada bing, bada boom. But yeah... It's a, uh, it's a cool space, and I'm grateful for the creativity that it has helped me, uh, it has given me or um, helped influence me somehow with. But um, yeah, this is a little homage to the office, and um, I guess the next episodes that I do will be from the uh, from the apartment until hopefully a little later on. Maybe even before I go to New Orleans again in the spring, we can already be in there and uh, can talk about 
talk about that new space there a bit more. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a real studio. So I'm excited to deck that out and get things prepared. Uh, final updates. Uh, right now I'm working on um, a new title sequence and some drum tracks actually for the show that Efi and I worked on together. Wrong. Uh, some of that stuff is due before Christmas and some of it's due after the new year. So everything's cool with that. Um, I just wrote lyrics for three songs that will be on a Netflix movie coming out next year called Paradise. I'm not the composer, but I am doing all the lyrics for all the songs. Um, I'd like to do some singing for it, but I think David, the composer, has a, an image in mind of like a, a female choir, which it does fit the music. So that's cool. Um, and, uh, shout out to, um, our good friend Moritz for his movie. Um, very excited about that. It, through him, I've built a, a very new, very small relationship to the director, um, who gave me an opportunity to, you know, be filmed by his cameraman for like some test shooting and, um, to have the opportunity, the, the chance to read the script, you know, in, in a reading room and like, you know, kind of get his attention a little bit. And, um, it's really nice to sometimes just get a text from him about something. And I think in the new year, I'm going to do another little job for him. And hopefully this leads to more collaborations because he's an extremely nice guy. He's very hard worker and very smart and very nice to me. Uh, and I'm grateful to Moritz for that. And, um, yeah, all right, guys. Well, I have to end it there. We got to start packing this office down, but I really love you guys. If you enjoyed this episode, if you had a laugh or anything, just please make sure to go, you know, to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to this show and give us a rating or a review or a comment or share it on your social media or just tell a friend about the show because it really goes a long way. It really genuinely helps, um, you know, affect this algorithm that, you know, pushes it towards new listeners like yourself, people like-minded like us who enjoy this kind of content. Um, it, it really helps um, spread that around and we can build this artsy-fartsy family together. So it really means a lot to me. Thank you so much for that. And I love you guys. And I'll be back next week. Look at baby, the saints Artsy Farts Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5. Musik